When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in, everybody, to episode 155 of the podcast. It is Sweeping America, the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. First of all, I want to welcome in some new listeners. So I referenced it on last show, but I hosted Kentucky Sports Radio on Monday morning. I had a blast as always, so thank you for all of you who listened. Thank you for all of you who gave me feedback, who liked what I said. I I don't think there was anybody that really didn't like what I said, but I want to thank you guys for giving me feedback. A lot of new subscribers to this show via that appearance, so I want to thank you guys for your support. I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you guys for subscribing. And now I want to get to today's show because we do have a great show for you today. Uh, Even though the draft deadline is gone, I was worried. I was like, am I really going to have stuff to talk about this week? Yet here we are, June 7th, and I still got plenty to talk about. Okay, so first of all, what we're going to get into is the Kerry Blackshear situation. Kerry Blackshear, I think, is probably, as best as I can tell, the last big puzzle piece for the 2019-2020 college basketball season. Now look, can some kid reclassify at the last second? Of course. There's there, there's going to be something that pops up. But Kerry Blackshear, the transfer from Virginia Tech, averaged 15-8. and eight. Uh, He has removed himself from the NBA draft. I want to give you the update on what I know as he gets set for an official visit uh, this weekend to Florida. But I, I think I have some information that you guys are going to want to hear. I'm also going to get into... Did you guys see Kenyon Martin Jr.? K.J. Martin, the son of Kenyon Martin, has announced that he is going to go pro. Uh, And this kid is not R.J. Hampton. He's not a five-star. He was actually a three-star player, ranked number 229th in this class, and he's decided to go pro. He was going to go to Vanderbilt. Now he's going professional. You better believe I have some thoughts on that. Now, we'll get into all of them. I'm not going to blame a kid for wanting to go pro, But I think this is a scary sign of what could come if the NBA eventually does remove the one-and-done rule. I'll get in a little bit to the Javon Quinterly news. Uh, Javon Quinterly, of course, was a former five-star player, uh, originally committed to Arizona, which we're going to get into. Uh, As part of the FBI trial, decommitted, ended up at Villanova. He was a disaster there, goes to Alabama. So we're going to get into Alabama picking up a big commitment. And then I just referenced Arizona. And I do want to get into, and I know it's a little legalese and it's not the sexiest topic, but former Arizona assistant coach Book Richardson was actually sent to jail 
on Thursday afternoon as part of the FBI trial. Uh, it, it's not only unfair, it's just absolutely preposterous. I cannot believe that it happened. Uh, I do know Coach Richardson, Book Richardson, a little bit. I'm going to get into uh, you know, my personal opinion on him, the fact that, yes, he should not be involved in college basketball, but he is not, in fact, a criminal, and I'm not very happy about it. So, All right, so that's the, the rundown for today. Before we get into it, I do want to remind everybody, please, 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 if you're not already subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, you better do it right now. And you can do it on any platform that we uh, that podcasts are out there. You can do it on iTunes. Do it on Podcast Addict. You can do it on Podbean. You can do it on TuneIn Radio. I just mentioned Podcast Addict. I'll remind everybody that Podcast Addict is where I listen to this show. If you have an Android, if you don't have an iPhone, then use Podcast Addict. Also, please make sure to rate and review the show. Go on iTunes, or I guess it's now called uh, Apple Podcasts, but go on Apple Podcasts. Give me quick five stars. It really does help us move up the ratings. As I said, it was a great week for the show, a lot of new subscribers, but if you could give me a quick uh, quick five stars, that'd be helpful. Also, make sure to follow the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast Instagram page. We are going to ramp up the guests here in the next few weeks as I do that. We'll put out little previews, little snippets. You guys have seen kind of little video things that I do. And finally, if you have questions, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. I got a lot of them. I'm probably going to hold them till next week because I think I have plenty to talk about today. But Aaron Torres, podcast questions at gmail.com. And as we get set to get into the show, one final announcement. We gotta. This is a this is a new thing on this show. Gotta give a quick shout out to the Australian legend Torrent Craig, uh, one of my favorite human beings on earth. Okay, so let's get into the meat of today's show. And I don't know if you guys are regular listeners, you know that. I like to have one kind of really big topic that I go, you know, if Nick joins me or if it's just me solo, that I go 20, 25, 30 minutes on. I don't know that we have that today. So we're going to get into those four or five topics I mentioned off the top. And I do want to start with Kerry Blackshear because we have a lot of Kentucky fans that listen to this show. We have some Florida fans that listen to this show. We have a couple A&M fans that listen to this show. And the one question I've gotten more than any other over the course of this week is what is up with Kerry Blackshear? Where is he going to play his final year of college basketball? So I think all you kind of know the deal, but for those that don't, Kerry Blackshear was, of course, uh, a, a fourth-year player last year at Virginia Tech. He still has one year of eligibility left, and when the season ended, he sort of put his name in the transfer portal but also declared for the NBA draft. And basically, long story short, it looked like for a long time he was going to stay in the NBA draft. He did, of course, have a year of eligibility left at the college level if he wanted to play college basketball. But like I said, it did look like for a minute that Kerry Blackshear was going to stay in the NBA draft. Unfortunately, he didn't get the feedback that he wanted. He didn't get the feedback he was expecting. And so he has decided to come back to college basketball. And now the race is on. Because like I said off the top of the show, he averaged 15 points and eight boards a game at Virginia Tech last year. They make the Sweet 16. He is one of their most valuable players. And because of it, he is now one of the most valuable graduate transfers on the market right now, right? Like we spend so much time talking about these freshmen and one and done and McDonald's All-American. And it's like, 
This guy's actually produced, and he's produced at the highest level. 15-8 and eight in the ACC is nothing to joke about. And so I do believe that you can make an argument that wherever he ends up, he can have more of an impact than maybe any freshman in college basketball next year. Now, I don't know if that's going to be 100% the case, but it isn't inconceivable to me. And so as I look at the broad scope, I think the way we have to look at Kerry Blackshear is a couple things. So first of all, he is taking an official visit per our buddy Corey Evans. By the way, shout out to Corey Evans. I actually did the math the other day. Somebody asked me, who are the most popular guests or how many guests have you had on multiple times? Corey Evans has been on this show five times. He is the most, the person that's been on this show more than anyone else. I believe Rob Douster, Evan Daniels, uh, and Arkansas coach Eric Musselman have all been on four times. Corey Evans, the leader in the clubhouse, and he broke a pretty big story that Kerry Blackshear, the player I just mentioned, will take a visit to Florida this weekend. Now, I'm not as close to the recruitment as Corey. I'm not as close to the recruitment as some other people. I'm not trying to claim to have any inside information. But what I do know, I don't think this is necessarily going to be a super quick, rushed decision. Kerry Blackshear took two, two and a half months to get all the feedback that he could on the NBA draft process, waited until the last day, and announced that he's coming back to college. And I just feel like if he took every moment and he took his time in that process, I don't think this is going to be a quick, I see what I need to see at Florida, and I'm going to commit tomorrow. Now, could I be wrong? I've been wrong before. Aaron Torres is wrong all the time. You know, people, I, I always talk about Nostra Torres, the legend, the guy that never misses. Well, I miss every once in a while. So could Kerry Blackshear commit this weekend? Yeah, of course he could because I think Florida is going to give him a good recruiting pitch. But I do think that he is going to take his time with this recruitment, really evaluate what is the best situation for him. And as I look at the bigger picture of this recruitment, what I do see is what has been reported for the last couple months I think is basically accurate, right? So for the last couple months, basically since the day he decided to leave Virginia Tech or at least put his name in the portal, the three schools that have really jumped out are Florida, Kentucky, and Texas A&M. I said from the beginning I didn't think he was going to return to Virginia Tech. It doesn't look like he's going to. There are certainly other schools that are trying to get involved. I saw uh, Corey Evans reporting that Michigan State may be in the mix, but I'll tell you, I really do think it's going to come down to those three schools. And so when you look at Kerry Blackshear, I think what you have to look at is what does he want out of this last year of college basketball? And I think in the broader scope, in the broader scope, it's I want to go to the place that's going to best position me for the NBA draft, which makes sense, right? All these kids want to go pro. All these kids want to play in the NBA. But I think you have to dig even deeper than, oh, I want the best place to uh, put me on a stage for the NBA draft. Because if you dig deeper, every school's kind of got a little bit of a different pitch, right? So he's going to Florida this weekend. And I think what Mike White, the Florida coach, is going to sell him on really hard is the notion that you're the missing piece, right? So for people who don't know Florida's roster, and I think most of you do, you guys are really intelligent fans, you guys are intelligent listeners, I have the smartest listeners in all of the podcast game, shout out to you guys. So if you know Florida's roster, you know that they have a ton of guards next year, really, 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 really good guards. Andrew Nemhard, who emerged late this past season, former like top 30, top 40 prospect, four-star recruit, he's back. Noah Locke, big three-point shooter, he's back. 
Scotty Lewis, who's maybe one of like the five best high school players in America, backcourt player, committed to Florida over Kentucky. He will be coming in. Uh, Trey Mann, also a McDonald's All-American. He is going to Florida. So they're all set in the backcourt. The one thing that they don't have is a big, big guy down low that they can dump the ball down to and he can get buckets. And that's what Florida's going to sell to him is you can go other places, you can go this, you can go that. But we already have a top 25 team without you. But if you come here, now we're talking about a team that can compete for an SEC title. I don't know that they compete for a national title, but they can compete for an SEC title. They can compete. They will be in the top 15, maybe the top 10 coming into next season if Kerry Blackshear comes there. And what I think they're going to sell him is, yes, it's about going to the place that's going to best prepare you for the NBA, but what place is better than one where you're going to be in a top 15, top 20 team, and we got nobody else at your position? So you're going to play, if you want to play 35 minutes a game, you're going to play 35 minutes a game. You want 20 shots a game, you're going to get 20 shots a game. Because we got all these guards, we got nobody down low. You're going to get all the boards you want. You're going to play as much as you want. We're going to play you. We're going to run you ragged because, frankly, to be perfectly honest, we have nobody else. We need you. You're the guy. You're the difference. And so that is what Florida's pitch is going to be to Kerry Blackshear. Come here. You're the missing piece. You're going to play as much as you want. You're going to shoot as much as you want. The world is your oyster. Gainesville is your oyster. Just come here, and you are the missing piece. What I think Kentucky's going to sell is – Certainly the path to the NBA, but kind of a different path, right? Because at Kentucky, there's no guarantee. One, Cal Perry never guarantees anything. So, you know, if Kerry Blackshear isn't good enough, he's not going to play, but he obviously is good enough. There isn't as clear of a path to playing time with EJ Montgomery and Nick Richards in the lineup, but Kerry Blackshear is too good. He's going to find time. And maybe it even becomes kind of a Reed Travis, PJ Washington 2.0 with EJ Montgomery and Kerry Blackshear both playing down low. Their games kind of complement each other. Blackshear's kind of an undersized, bruiser-type guy. EJ Montgomery can play down low, but he can step out to 15 feet, can hit that left-handed jumper. They can play together. But I don't think that's necessarily what Kentucky's going to sell. What Kentucky's going to sell is, again, it's the NBA thing, but it's that we're Kentucky. We're the biggest stage in college basketball. And if you come here, it's impossible not to get noticed, right? Like John Calipari always says, uh, you know, I can't hide players at Kentucky. If you're not ready to come in, compete, ready for the spotlight, I can't hide you at Kentucky. But I think what he's going to sell is it's also the opposite. It's also the inverse. And the inverse is this, is I can't hide you if you're not ready to compete. But if you're ready for this stage, you will get more attention here than you will anywhere else. The, you're going to be on TV every night, not just like SEC alternate network or ESPNU. Like you're on CBS and you're on ESPN and you're on Super Tuesday every single week and you're in that 8 o'clock Eastern game every single week. You're on game day twice a year. NBA scouts are at every single game. We have the Combine. And we have done, and I think this is something Calipari doesn't get enough credit for, we've taken guys like you that aren't really on the NBA's radar, and if you play well here, you will be on the NBA's radar, my friend. 
and I use the example all the time, and I think it's a good example. How about Tyler Hero? Like, I know Tyler Hero doesn't play the same position or he's not the same player as Kerry Blackshear, but that's a guy that was like a top 40-ish recruit, a four-star guy, wasn't a McDonald's All-American. He comes to Kentucky. He balls out. He averages 14 points a game, shoots 36% from three. I didn't even think he played all that well all season long. He certainly had his moments. He certainly had his games. Hit a couple really big shots against Houston in the NCAA tournament. Against Auburn, he hit a big shot at Auburn. But, like, Tyler Hero wasn't some amazing, unbelievable college basketball player. And now he's going to go pro, and people are saying he's going to go in the top 20, maybe as high as the lottery. As I tweeted out the other day, he killed his workout with the Celtics from what I heard. But I only bring that up to say Tyler Hero is the perfect example and frankly, he's the example I would use if I was John Calipari of it doesn't matter where you're ranked. It doesn't matter what people think. If you come to Kentucky and ball out, you will be on that stage. You will be on that spotlight. Same with Shea Gilgis-Alexander the year before. You don't have to be a five-star guy to be a figurative or literal one-and-done. Now, Kerry Blackshear is obviously going to be a one-and-done wherever the next spot is. But regardless of that, you don't have to be the most you don't have to be an all-American to be a one and done at Kentucky to 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 have impact to be noticed by the NBA if you ball out you're on that stage and i know a lot of people are going to say well what about Reed Travis Reed Travis was good but Reed Travis was kind of the same guy at Kentucky that he was at Stanford and that's why on this show last year i said look i like Reed Travis don't get me wrong but there's a reason he's coming back for his fifth year of college basketball. There's obviously a reason that Kerry Blackshear is too, but Kerry Blackshear knows what the blueprint is. He knows what the NBA wants to see, and it's up to him to decide if that's what he wants. Last team, I'll say this, Texas A&M. I think that I thought probably about two weeks ago that if Kerry Blackshear came back to college basketball, that A&M I didn't necessarily think was going to be a factor because I, I think that what you guys need to understand is that sometimes in college hoops, just like in life, right? Sometimes, you know, you date a girl, and I know I'm doing the radio guy comparing sports to dating. I get it. I'm sorry. I apologize. That's like the most cliche thing ever. But, you know, like you're dating a girl, date for like two years, three years, four years, whatever, and at a certain point, you guys just realize like, it's not her fault. It's not your fault. Nobody did anything wrong. Nobody's a mean person. But it's just time to move on. Like, like it's happened to all of us, right? We've all dated great guys or great girls, and it's just time to move on. And so I kind of use that analogy in college basketball sometimes is I think Kerry Blackshear got a lot out of playing for Buzz Williams. But I also, like, I just don't – I didn't think, and my opinions changed a little bit. I'll get into that in a second, that the best step or the next step for Kerry Blackshear was to follow around Buzz Williams, Right? Buzz Williams and Kerry Blackshear had a great relationship. They came into Virginia Tech together by, or they came into Virginia. He came into Virginia Tech in Buzz Williams' first year. By his senior year, they're playing in the Sweet 16 with a chance to beat Duke to win the uh, to to go to the to the Elite Eight, and it didn't happen. And it was over. And Buzz Williams moved on, and Kerry Blackshear, in a lot of ways, moved on. And so I just wondered, Kerry Blackshear, he's got this one year to totally capitalize on being this super in-demand player. And are, do you really want to go to Texas A&M? 
Do you really want to go play for the guy that you just played for for the last four years? You had this beautiful ending where you went further in the NCAA tournament than anyone's ever, than the school's ever been. Do you really want to go back and try to like recreate the, the chemistry, recreate what it was, and do it at a place at Texas A&M, which Texas A&M, an incredible school, incredible resources, incredible facilities, but even a Texas A&M fan would admit, like, they're a work in progress this year, right? And so you're not only following your old coach, but you're going to a stage that isn't as big as Kentucky, a team that's not as highly ranked as Florida. For what? To be part of a rebuilding thing? that it's just, You don't have four years here. You got one year to maximize it. But I'll tell you this. Uh, Texas A&M, I was talking to some people that I trust. I think Texas A&M thinks they're in better shape than maybe I did. Now, maybe I'm just getting it from a pro-Texas A&M source. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe the information that I'm getting isn't great. Maybe it's, uh, you know, there's some maroon-colored glasses on. But I only bring it up because I, I, I didn't think Texas A&M was going to be a factor. They might be a little bit more of a factor than I initially thought. I still don't think they're the right fit because I do wonder, does Kerry Blackshear, does he kind of want to recreate the wheel does he really, 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 does he want to go back to Buzz Williams and start over and it's a rebuilding project and da-da-da-da and this and that? And so that's kind of where Kerry Blackshear is based on everything that I've heard. Now, again, things can change. Things change all the time. Mike White could blow him away at the University of Florida. Let's also keep in mind that he's not, he's from Florida originally. Maybe he says, come, come home, be a, a, the difference maker for our program. But I just don't think that right now Kerry Blackshear is in a position to make a decision. And I don't think that as of today, that as of today, he is someone that is ready to commit, that he's going to commit today, tomorrow, whatever. So I could be wrong. But I think this thing plays out for a couple more weeks. I think those three schools are in the mix. Look, other schools are going to try to get in the mix. Don't get it wrong. I, I saw Michigan State was a team. I've heard Tennessee. I've heard Gonzaga. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to come down to those three schools. If I had to take a – I'm not even going to take a guess. I'm just going to give you percentages right now. Because I think right now I would say that Kentucky – and Florida, I'd put them at both about 40% that they land Kerry Blackshear. I don't want to, if I say 50%, that makes somebody the favorite. So I don't think anyone is a favorite necessarily at this point. I'd say 40% Florida, 40% Kentucky, 15% Texas A&M, a little bit higher than I thought. I would have said maybe 5% a few uh, weeks ago. And I'll leave 5% for the possibility that somebody else gets in the mix. But again, I just don't think that anybody is going to. I think it's going to come down to Florida and Kentucky. And like I've said a few times, I think what it comes down to is what does Kerry Blackshear want from his college experience? Does he want to be the guy and get 20 shots a game? Or does he want to play on the biggest stage where the spotlight is on you and where if you ball out, the NBA is going to notice? All right, let's move on. Another big topic, huge topic that popped on Wednesday night, middle of the NBA Finals. By the way, did you watch the NBA Finals? How about those Raptors, huh? Sorry. You guys know I'm a little anti-Warriors. I'm not really anti-Warriors. Everyone thinks I'm anti-Warriors. I'm anti-Warriors coverage. Like, I'm just uh, I'm just of the belief that 
Steph Curry can do. Oh, he's so great. He's this unbelievable dad and husband. It's like, yeah, what does that have to do with basketball? Like, you know, I like I like the Warriors. I think their story's awesome. But I also think that they're overcovered, that Steph Curry can do no wrong, that it's just inc- it's like, yeah, Steph Curry is an awesome husband and father. Guess what? There's a lot of awesome husbands and fathers. LeBron James is an incredible husband and father. Nobody talks about that. Russell Westbrook, incredible husband and father. I follow him on Instagram. He loves his kids more than life itself. We don't talk about it. So that's my problem with the Warriors. But I don't want to talk about the Warriors right now. I do want to talk about what happened during the game when our buddy friend of this show, recurring guest, Evan Daniels broke what I think is, is I don't know if it's a huge story, it's certainly an interesting story. And that is that Kenyon Martin Jr., who, surprise, surprise, is the son of Kenyon Martin, has decided to forego college and is going to pursue professional options. So Kenyon Martin Jr., KJ Martin, is going to uh, get rid of college and go pro. And so if you don't know Kenyon Martin Jr.'s story, he lives out in California near where I live. And if, you, if you're wondering, like, well, why don't I know more about him? It's because unlike R.J. Hampton, and again, we've been over the R.J. Hampton stuff. I'm never going to criticize a kid if he wants to start his professional future, if he wants to make money, you know, good for R.J. Hampton. He did what was best for him, what was best for his family, whatever. So I'm never going to criticize a kid. But R.J. Hampton was five-star, can't miss, top five recruit in the country. And he's just like, dude, I don't want to go play Kansas or Memphis. I just want to get paid. I just want to work on basketball full-time. I don't want to have to go to sociology 101 when I could be working on my jump shot in the gym. And so the R.J. Hampton thing happens. And now, a week later, another player announces they're going to forego college to play professional basketball. The difference between R.J. Hampton and K.J. Martin is that unlike R.J. Hampton, K.J. Martin is not a top five recruit nationally. He's not a top 10 recruit. He's not a top 20 recruit. He's not a five star. He wasn't a McDonald's All-American. He wasn't at the Jordan Brand Classic. K.J. Martin was ranked according to 24-7 sports. He was ranked 229th nationally. He was rated as the 19th best player just from the state of California. And the state of California didn't even have that good of basketball this year. But K.J. Martin has elected to go pro. And I want to get into it. And, you know, look, you guys know my stance. You know I love college basketball, but you also know I'll never begrudge a kid for wanting to make money. I guess where my question comes in, well, there's two things. One, I'm going to get into kind of the sociological, the big picture ramifications of this for both college basketball and the NBA. But in the smaller picture, my bigger question is, who's going to sign him? Like, who's going to sign this guy? I mean, there were major colleges that didn't even want to sign him. He signed with Vanderbilt. He He wasn't offered by Kentucky. He wasn't offered by Arizona. He wasn't offered by UCLA or North Carolina or Duke or Kansas. He was going to Vanderbilt. And so we have this notion like guys should be able to get paid this and that, but there's got to be a market for you. And so one, and this isn't a criticism of KJ Martin, but he is a professional now. This is a reality. Like, I don't know who wants to sign him. 
Like, is the G League going to take 125,000? You know, the G League has this new thing where they're they're taking players and offering them $125,000. Like, does the G League want this kid to be the guinea pig for the entire program? Because I'm not trying to disrespect the kid. But if he couldn't get buckets against Chino Hills High School, he averaged 16 points a game. If he couldn't get buckets against Chino Hills or Etiwanda or, uh, you know, whatever high school he's playing, like I don't think he's going to get it against a 28-year-old grown man in the G League. And so I think from, from the G League's perspective, they got to be looking at this like, do we want this kid to be the face of our program? Because if you remember when the G League program was first put into place, they said they were going to be selective on the kids that they got involved in the program. They said that they that it was only for kids that were kind of mentally prepared, that were physically prepared. Like they wanted the R.J. Hampton type. They wanted the Cole Anthony or the Matthew Hurt or the Tyrese Maxey type. I don't know that they want the 229th ranked player in the country. Will Australia take him? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, Australia, I know they want they want to build up this Rising Stars program, but do they really want to bring a kid over that frankly isn't good enough to play? Like Terrence Ferguson, who ended up as a top 20 pick, McDonald's All-American a few years ago, he averaged like, you know, like six points. I don't even think it was like six. I think it was like four points a game during his year in Australia. And Terrence Ferguson's a really good player. If Terrence Ferguson struggled in Australia, does Australia really want to bring this guy over? And like, like, like the thing with Australia, and I'd actually be curious, and I was supposed to talk to the commissioner, or I think they call him the CEO of the league, about this is, you know, Australia, yes, they want to bring over the best American players. They want to be this launching pad for these American players. I also, like, I don't think they want to turn their program into a joke. And when you bring in the 229th ranked player in America, like I do think that kind of turns the program into a punchline. Like we'll take any American kid. If you got an American passport, I don't, you don't even have to play basketball. Just come over. You can be part of our Rising Stars program, Next Generation, whatever it's called. And so I'll be really curious to see. Like I, I think Australia might take them, but I also think Australia might be like, look, we're not a joke. You know, we're not Ellis Island. You can't just send us your, your sick, your poor, your tired, and your huddled masses. Like, you need to be able to play. And so I don't know that the G League wants him to be the face of their new program. I'm not positive that Australia wants to be Ellis Island for wayward basketball players. Like, again, yeah, like sick, tired, huddled masses. I don't know. And if that, and then if that doesn't happen, then what, where are you going to go? Then that turns into the, to the LaMelo ball you know, are you going to Lithuania? Are you going to Estonia? And so we'll see what happens. Maybe he ends up in Australia. Maybe he ends up in the G League, whatever. But I do think a couple things. One, I think this is a terrible sign for what I believe will come when college basketball, when the NBA, I should say, when the NBA eventually removes the one and done rule. And to understand, I got to go back to what I, I've been saying from day one. When Adam Silver first came out with this idea that, yeah, we're kind of starting to look into this pretty seriously, removing this rule, I said it's going to be a disaster. And you guys, you know, you guys listen to me, and I think you respect my opinion enough to know that I'm not just saying this is some college basketball homer. Oh, everyone should come to college and stay for four years. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. RJ Hampton wants to go make his money. Go make your money. Zion Williamson should go go to the NBA after one year. But let's not downplay the importance that Duke had on Zion Williamson's brand going forward. 
But when Adam Silver started with this stuff, I saw a lot of reporters say, well, you know, if the best five to ten players want to go straight out of high school, they should be allowed to. It's America. You know, if we can send kids to war, we should be a- And it's like, okay, I get it. Yeah, they're in the military. Okay, it's it's different. We're not it's not it's it's apples and oranges, but whatever. And so but I said, I said at that time, I said, I was like, if y'all think it's gonna be five to ten players that are the only ones declaring, you're out of your minds. Because I said, I said, the culture of basketball has changed too much. And it's all the stuff that I've talked about on this show. Everybody wants to get to the league as fast as possible. Everybody wants to get through their first contract as fast as possible. As I told you a few weeks ago, everyone's got this idea, uh, you know, we got to, you know, I got to start my professional clock so I can get to my second contract. Well, what if you're not ready for your second contract, right? Like, what if you're not good? What if your second contract never comes? What if the coach that, or what if the GM that hired, that, that drafted you in the second round gets fired? And then you get traded, and then you get traded again. And, like, this is the thing that people don't talk about. And so I've said since day one, I think the culture of basketball has changed quite a bit since we removed, since we put the one-and-done rule in place, right? And when we put the one-and-done rule in place, last year college, uh, high school players could go straight to the NBA was 2005. And it was in that time, I think there was, like, four guys that declared that year. Monte Ellis, Lou Williams, a couple other guys. Gerald Green. And at that time... It, that, that was kind of it was a different culture in basketball. The culture in basketball was you only went if you were ready, you only went if if you could get drafted, you only went if you were good enough. And now the culture has just completely changed. And so I've said since day one, I said when the NBA inevitably opens the floodgates, I said, I don't think it's going to be five to ten. I don't think it's only going to be the guys that are ready. I think there's going to be 40 to 50 guys every year declaring for the NBA draft. I think it's I think so. And I think this KJ Martin thing kind of proves my point. KJ Martin's a 229th ranked player in America. He should be worried about being a pro after 3 years in college, after 4 years in college. Not after not when you're 18 years old. And on top of that, on top of everything else. And I think by the way, I do think there's a couple people to blame here. One I think the people in the media are to actually blame for this. And I was talking to a coach about this, and look, coaches always have their own best interest, but it's what I talk about on this show all the time. The media has demonized college basketball. The media has made it seem like going to campus, getting a free education, free housing, unlimited meals, you travel first class, you stay in five-star hotels, uh, you get the best health care you can. You get a world-class strength and conditioning coach. You get a professional nutritionist making all your meals. The, the media has demonized that as if it's this terrible thing. College basketball is so bad. These kids have it so bad. No, bro. Talk to anybody. Talk to a parent. Talk to a co- Like, these kids have it great. Now, look, are there certain situations where after two, three, four years, it's time to go? Yeah. If you're good enough, you go. If you're good enough to make more money, you go. If you're good enough to, uh, if you're, uh, uh, you know, Jared Harper and you've played three years and you're only 5'9 and you're not going to grow and you're not going to get better in college, you go. But the problem is that the media has made it seem like two things. One, you got to go as fast as you can, which is absurd. And two, you got to start your professional clock. And my bigger problem 
with the culture of basketball, and I think K.J. Martin is a great example of this, is everybody, my, my biggest problem is everybody thinks they're going to be the exception, right? Like, like the reason they say, they say there's an exception to every rule, but that the exception proves the rule at the same time, right? Like, yeah, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Nothing great is coming to, to me off the top of my head. But it's like, uh, yeah, you can, um, whatever. I can't think of a good example. But yes, there's an exception to every rule, but the exception makes the rule. And this is what scares me about the state of basketball right now. Every kid thinks they're going to be the exception. Oh, I'm the, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to go to the G League for a year and the next year I'll be in the, like, like, you know, you hear this all the time around the draft deadline is, well, you know, if I have to do a year in the G League, it's fine. Sure, it's fine. Here's the problem. There's 50 other guys like you that think, oh, I just got to do the one year in the G League. And there's 50 guys coming next year. And by the way, there were 50 guys last year that thought that they were going to play in the G League for one year and then go to the NBA. There aren't that many guys that go undrafted that go to the G League for a year and are in the NBA the next year. There just aren't. And everybody thinks they're going to be the exception. Everyone thinks that I'm going to be the guy. And the reality is, I'm not saying don't go chase your dreams. But what I am saying is, the, 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 the expectation that everyone thinks they're going to be the exception, it's just not true. It's just not true. And so, you look at KJ, like I, I've read the, you know, there's no real quotes out there from KJ Martin. But, you know, he thinks he's going to go to, and I'm, no disrespect, but, you know, the quotes that I'm reading, like, he thinks he's going to go to Australia or the G League or whatever. He wants to start his professional career. He doesn't want to go to school. And it's like, you understand, like, the chances of you being the exception are very, very, very slim. By the way, I saw this great, this great nugget. I think Fred Van Vliet, who is bawling out, in the NBA Finals, Fred Van Vliet, who played at um, who played at Wichita State, is balling out in the NBA Finals. He's been awesome. And the crazy thing is, is that he went undrafted in 2016 when he entered the NBA draft. And so he's a perfect example of, well, I'm going to do my time in the G League, and I'm going to be in the pros, and I'm going to be a star in the NBA Finals. You know what no one talks about with Fred Van Vliet? First of all, I did three years of college basketball. But the other thing is, is that he was the last, there was only one roster spot available on the Raptors, and he was the one that got it. He got the last roster spot. That's the other thing that these kids don't realize. Oh, I'm going to go to the G League for a year. You realize that most of these teams have at most one to two roster spots available. Everybody else is under contract. Everybody else is signed long-term. They're owed a lot of money. They're going to get a spot on the roster because when you're paying a guy $8 million a year, it doesn't matter whether you're better than him or not. They got to pay him $8 million a year, so they're going to keep him. So I look at somebody like Fred Van Fleet, undrafted, but he was the last guy to make the team, and now he's balling in the NBA Finals. But do you know how many guys he had to beat out for that one spot? Do you know how many guys that are probably good enough to play in the NBA that he beat out for that one spot? And so, again, everyone thinks they're going to be the exception. And, like, I'm not trying to pick on K.J. Martin here. I'll say this, by the way, in defense of R.J. Hampton, at least he has, like, a resume that would reflect that he is ready for this moment in time. K.J. Martin doesn't have that reputation. And I know this whole thing of, yeah, he wants to be a professional. But, I mean, look, think about it. 
What happens if it does? So he goes to Australia for a year. Then he goes undrafted. Then he goes to the G League, and he's unsigned. I mean, he could be legitimately out of the G League by 20 years old. And this guy just gave up a spot at Vanderbilt. At Vanderbilt. He had a chance to go to Vanderbilt. One of the best universities in America. And by the way, if he was good enough, if he balled out at Vanderbilt, he could have gone after one year. He could have gone after two. And I'm not going to begrudge him, but I just think this whole culture that we have is so backwards. Everyone thinks they're going to be the exception. Oh, no, no, by the way, I hear this all the time. Well, if they don't want to be in school, they shouldn't be. I agree. But I also know when I was 18, I didn't want to be in school. And I went to school and I went to college because it was probably the right thing to do. And I'm glad I did because when I got to college, I got to take the classes that I want. I got to study what I wanted to. And I actually enjoyed school. And so, listen, I'm not, whatever, you get it. I'm not going to begrudge the kid. I'm just saying, I don't know what the market is for the 229th ranked player. And I think this is a scary sign of things to come when we remove the age limit because I just don't know how many kids are going to say, well, I could be the exception. You know, I just got to go to the G League for a year. It's like, no, you don't. You're not Zion Williamson. You're Kenyon Martin Jr., bro. You're a 229th ranked player in America. You weren't even the best player on your own high school team. Now you're going to be a professional. Get out of here. So, all right, let's wrap on a couple quick things. Um, I did want to talk really quickly on Javon Quinterly because I actually mentioned off the top, Javon Quinterly, he is a former five-star recruit, went to Villanova, just committed to Alabama this week. And I just think, look, We'll get into who he is and all that stuff. I just think this is proof. Man, the SEC is tough, bro. Like, the SEC, everybody is gearing up. Everybody is squatting up. Everybody, this is this is the park where everybody from their neighborhood is bringing their best players, and they're saying, let's go at it. And it's amazing because it was, what, a year, it was, what, three years ago, the SEC had three teams in the NCAA tournament. Then they had three in the Elite Eight in 2017 with – uh, South Carolina, Florida, and Kentucky. Then 2018, they got a record eight teams. Then they got seven. And now you look at it going into 2019, 2020. I'm telling you, there are no weak links in the SEC going into 2020. Maybe Vanderbilt, who just lost K.J. Martin, who wouldn't have even played for them, but neither here nor there. Uh, maybe Vanderbilt, but, I mean, Arkansas brings back some guys. A&M brings back some guys. Georgia has the number one recruit in the country in Anthony Edwards. So everybody in the SEC is squatted up. And I think Alabama has a chance to be really good. They got Kyra Lewis coming back. They got John Petty coming back. They just added Beetle Bolden, transfer from West Virginia. But the story here is Javon Quinterly. So Javon Quinterly, for people who don't know, um, and I talked about him a lot on this show in the fall, and Villanova fans got mad at me. Oh, my God, they were so mad at me. Because what I basically said was this, is that Javon Quinterly, really highly rated recruit, as I mentioned, originally committed to Arizona, was part of the FBI thing, was alleged to have his parents, I don't know if it was him or his parents, but somebody was alleged to have taken some money from Book Richardson, who we'll get into in a minute. And he decommitted from Arizona, and he ends up at Villanova. The one thing about Villanova, you know, is that Jay Wright won't, Jay Wright doesn't care about your recruiting ranking. He's not going to play you if Jay Wright doesn't think that you're good enough to play for him at that exact moment, at that exact time. If you're not so, – like, like 
this is the difference, and this is what I said at the time. The difference between a, a Jay Wright and a John Calipari or Coach K. Say what you want about John Calipari. Say what you want about Coach K. They're going to throw their freshman into the fire because they know one way or the other, I'm only getting this guy for one year, so I might as well, one, take advantage of it, and two, I'm going to need this guy by March. And so Javon Quinterly gets to Villanova, five-star recruit, McDonald's All-American, and he doesn't play. Like, every game. Like, it's two minutes here and four minutes there. And Villanova, and this was the crazy part, they weren't winning either. If you remember, they lost to Furman early in the season at home. They lost to Penn early in the season at home. They lost to a lot of really kind of eh teams. And so I went on Twitter, like I do, Aaron underscore Torres, and I basically said, I'm like, dude, Jay Wright, I know this is your system, but like, you should probably play this kid. Because one, he's going to leave one way or the other after this year. He's either going to go pro or he's going to transfer. And two, you kind of need him. You're not winning. And I said, like, if I if my son was a projected one and done, I would not send him to Villanova. I'd send him to Duke or Kentucky. Because I know Coach K and I know John Calipari are going to throw my kid into the fire, whether he's ready or not. By the way, a lot of great examples this year. Tyler Hero, I already mentioned him. Perfect example. You can go back, watch the beginning of the season. Tyler Hero was not helping Kentucky offensively, not helping them defensively. And John Calipari kept throwing him into the fire. And when John Calipari kept throwing him into the fire, guess what? By March, he was a stud. By March, he was a walking bucket. By March, he by now June, he's going to be a first-round NBA draft pick, probably top 20, maybe lottery. And so I just said, I said, Villanova, no disrespect. You have a great program, two national titles in three years. I wouldn't send my kid to, to Villanova if I thought he was going to be a one-and-done kid. And again, they were like, well, are these Villanova fans, well, are we not supposed to play our best player? We're supposed to just play a guy based on a recruiting ranking? I'm like, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, you're probably going to need this guy at some point, and you got to play him. And so Villanova didn't end up playing him. He never found his role there, and he ended up transferring, and he was a really hot commodity. I mean, Pitt was after him. Arkansas was after him. Alabama obviously was after him, and Alabama got him. And so I think this is a huge win for Alabama. Now, the big question becomes, will he be eligible to play next year or not? And I don't have a good answer to that. I saw Jeff Goodman uh, report that they're going to try to get him eligible right away. What they're going to try to claim is there was some emotional distress because of the publicity of the trials, the FBI trials I'm talking about, that they feel like th that you know his name was out in the public and blah, blah. So they're going to play some BS Trump card. They might even get it because the NCA is afraid to say no to anybody. I'll be curious what happens. But even if he doesn't play, I actually think it's better for Alabama if he doesn't play. One, sit out a year. Two, I'll add this, is he would be a nice replacement for Kyra Lewis. But while it's early, I think this is a tone that Nate Oates is setting, right? Like Nate Oates is saying, we're going after the best players. Like I know I'm from Buffalo. I know I came from Buffalo. I never recruited a three-star. I never recruited a five-star McDonald's All-American in my life. But yo, I'm in the SEC now. I'm swimming with sharks. I'm swimming with John Calipari and Bruce Pearl and Rick Barnes and uh, Mike White and Frank. Mo like, yo, I got to step my game up. And so he did. I think this kid Quinterly is going to be good. I think it's for the best that he is going to sit out for this season. 
I don't know if he will, but I think it would be for the best if he did. I want to wrap up last thing. I mentioned this off the top. Uh, Book Richardson, former Arizona assistant coach. So he was kind of one of the big central figures in the FBI trial. Um, and he got prison time today. And so if it, so if you follow the FBI trial, his name was kind of all over the place. Tony Bland from UCLA, Lamont, or from USC, excuse me, not UCLA. Be very clear, UCLA not involved. Book Richardson, Arizona. Tony Bland, USC. Lamont Evans at Oklahoma State. And Chuck Person were the four that were originally arrested. So Tony, so the trial, they all plead guilty to because you don't want to go to trial and plead innocent. If you're found guilty, you're going to get some serious jail time. So they all pled guilty. Tony Bland on Wednesday received no jail time. But Book Richardson did receive jail time. And I do want to touch on this a little bit. And I do, I, I hate to be kind of negative and sad and depressing to end this show, but this is preposterous. And so let me try to give you some context because this is what I always try to do on this show is I, as a reporter, I don't even know if I'm a reporter anymore. I don't really report. I'm not like, uh, you know, wearing a fedora and, you know, with a pen and paper, like, but you get to know people and you get to hear stuff. And I want to kind of give context to Book Richardson, because if you just read the transcripts from the FBI trial, of like, oh, Will Wade tells me he's offered this and Sean Miller said, and it's just like, I need you to understand how college basketball really works behind the scenes. And so let's kind of backtrack. As I said, Book Richardson was guilty. He was found guilty. This is what he was found guilty of. $15,000 to Javon Quinterly's family to come to Arizona. $15,000, that's it. Okay? So he pled guilty to that. And he broke NCAA rules. Like, I'm not saying that this guy, we need to throw a parade for him. He broke NCAA rules. Um, he was clearly willing to cross lines. Uh, if you read the transcripts, he was clearly willing to break NCAA rules. And let's be honest, that's not fair. That's not fair to the schools that he recruited against. That's not fair to the schools that were doing it the right way. And he got the player because he was willing to break rules. Okay? So that's one. Um, I'm not defending his actions. I'm not, def I'm not saying he didn't break NCAA rules. He did. He pled guilty to it. Like, this isn't like the Sean Miller, Will Wade, did he, didn't he, what did he know, what did he not know? No, like, this guy pled guilty to giving money to Javon Quinterly's family, which means that he not only broke federal law, apparently, which we're going to get into, but he broke NCAA rules as well. So, yes, he should not be allowed in college basketball, at least not for the very foreseeable future. My problem is that on Thursday, he got three months in prison for this crime. And that's the part that really bothers me. It's not that he was fired at Arizona. It's not that, you know, he's not going to be coaching college basketball. It's that this guy isn't a criminal. None of these guys are criminals. None of these guys are criminals. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you know, I'm always transparent with you guys. So I do know Book Richardson a little bit. Um, for people who don't know, and, and this is why I want to kind of tell you this story, and then why I want to tell you kind of my relationship with him. For people who don't know, he first broke into basketball. He was an AAU coach. Uh, and it was at a time when, like, AAU coaches weren't these, like, shady, mysterious figures, moving players, I need this much money for this kid. Like, he literally got into AAU to, like, help kids in the community. And the way that I got to know him was 
that he was actually Kemba Walker's AAU coach. And anybody who knows me knows I'm a UConn guy. And Kemba Walker, up until his senior year of high school, was a nobody. Kemba Walker was begging UConn to offer him. And UConn wasn't interested. And so what happened was, I'll tell you, this is a great story. So at the time, Brandon Jennings was the top point guard in the country. And Kemba played for the New York Gauchos for Book Richardson. And they went to a tournament in Arizona. I forget what it was called. And Kemba Walker, like he did at UConn, put the Gauchos on his back, and they destroyed everybody. I mean, they, they played against teams that had three, four, five NBA players and destroyed them. He went head-to-head against Brandon Jennings, the quote-unquote best point guard in the country, and destroyed him. And after that, he got his UConn offer. But Book Richardson was the head coach of that team. And I remember interviewing Book, and I remember him telling me that those were some of his best memories of being in basketball. He was already at Arizona at this time. It was probably 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. He was already at Arizona. And he told me, he said, you know, and this kind of shows how innocent it all really was, is he said, you know, we didn't even have money to get all the kids out there. We had to raise money. And I think he told me something to the effect of, you know, we slept like 10 to a room when we were in Arizona. We just had kids everywhere, just on the floor, uh, on the couches. We had four kids in a bed. I think they, they, it was something crazy like they had maybe 12 kids or, you know, 14 people in, in two rooms or something like that. And he said it was just so pure. It was just me and the kids. And, you know, I think he had an assistant coach. But, you know, I, and like this is not a guy that got into college basketball to be a mover and shaker and, hey, I'm going to give you this. You know, you off, uh, you take this much and, da, 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 and this and that. And like that's not who he was. That's not why he got into it. He got into it because he loved kids. He loved basketball. And eventually, yeah, like he was offered a job by Sean Miller at Xavier. He went to Xavier uh, and he went to Arizona. And I don't know, like, when did they start cheating? Like, I don't know. Maybe it was year, Maybe it was day one at Xavier. Maybe it was the last couple years at Arizona. My hunch is that Javon Quinterly isn't the only kid that Book Richardson offered. My hunch is that Sean Miller probably knew about most of it. And I know I've defended Sean Miller. I don't think you can fire him based on what came out in the, the FBI trial. But I also think we'd be naive to talk about the idea that he didn't know anything that was going on. And so... I bring up Book because and and how I kind of got to know him and I I don't want to say I know him well I've never met him in person but you know you you stay in touch with people and and, and we kind of lost touch and all that stuff and but the idea that that guy the guy that just talked about the joy of of bringing Kemba Walker and Momo, Momo Jones was on that team Momo Jones played at Arizona um, there was a kid Fouch I want to say was his name I mean these kids were nobodies. And he brought them to this tournament, ironically, in Arizona. And they balled out. And they beat a team with DeMar DeRozan. And they beat a team with Kevin Love. And they beat a team with Brandon Jennings. And it was like, he did that for the love of the game. And so I just want you guys to know that that's the guy that you're reading about. That the guy that's that's moving and shaking and hustling and dealing. Like, he's a guy who got into this because he loved kids. And he wanted to help kids. And he wanted to get them to college. It was never about, oh, I got to, if I give this kid 10000 now, he's going to hit me on the back end when, when he gets to the NBA and he signs that big contract. He's going to hit me. It's like, no, he did it for the good of, of college basketball. And like, 
or for the good of these kids to get them into college. And like, look, I'm not going to say everything that came out in that trial made him look good. It didn't. There was a lot of, let's be honest, there was a lot of hot air that came out, right? And I even said it, like, you know, there were reports that, oh, I Will Wade told me this. And like, if you listen to, if you read the, the, the transcripts, what you'll see, you, you know, you see a guy that's like, eh, is he really a good guy? Is he not a good guy? First of all, my personal opinion, I think he's a good human being that I think got caught up in a situation where he's at Arizona. He's making 250K, 350K a year, more money than he ever thought he would make coaching basketball. And whether Sean Miller explicitly told him, Sean Miller didn't explicitly tell him. There was kind of an understanding. You got to get me these players. And I don't care how it gets done, but it's got to get done. And the guy that you heard on the wiretap was a byproduct of that system. And it's not just Arizona. And this was my problem with the coverage is everyone wanted to pick on Sean Miller. Everyone wanted to pick on Will Wade. We have pretty good evidence that that happened at Kansas. We have reasonable evidence that it happens pretty much everywhere. Like I told you guys a month ago, we had two coaches on an FBI wiretap, one saying you need money to get to get Marvin Bagley, one saying you need money to get Zion Williamson. And they both ended up at Duke. I'm not accusing Duke of anything. I'm just saying this stuff happens everywhere. But Book Richardson kind of became the face of this thing, and that's what's so like upsetting to me is is like there's guys like this at every school. There's guys that are movers and shakers. And, hey, what do you need? What can I get for you? Let's get this done. Da, 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 da. It's like that's the nature of college basketball. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick true story, and then uh, we'll get out of here. Is I was at the Final Four this year, okay? And I saw, you know, I, I'm checking into my hotel, and I see a guy in, in gear of, uh, he's wearing gear, right, of a, of a pretty prominent college basketball program. And like part of going to the final four is you move and you shake and you meet people. And so I just kind of went over and introduced myself. I said, Hey man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm Aaron Torres. Do you, do you know, do you work for the school? And he said, well, you know, I don't really work for the school, but you know, I've sent a couple guys there and, uh, you know, I work out this guy and this guy I've known since he was in middle school and da, 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 da. And, you know, you could tell he was, he was a guy that was kind of on the periphery and you couldn't really, you know, pinpoint exactly what he does or who he is or what his role is. And so I started talking to this guy. And he's a good guy. He says, dude, take down my number. We'll hang out later. And then he says to me this. This is what he says to me. He says, hey, bro, just, just, yeah, hit me up later. We'll hang. He goes, by the way, I see you don't, I see you don't have that. I see you don't have a ring on your finger. Like, as in I'm not married. I said, no, man, you know, no, I'm not married. I'm getting, I'm engaged. I'm going to get married this summer. And he just, he, he, he smiles at me, gives me a quick wink. He goes, bro, hit me up later. He's like, I got anything you need. He's like, dude, whatever you need, I got it. Anything you need, just, just you know, just holler at me. You know, anything you need, I got it. And I'm literally sitting there like, yo, did this dude just offer me a prostitute? Because I think this dude just offered me a prostitute. And But, like, you meet people like this. In, the point I'm trying to make, you meet people like this in college basketball all the time. Everywhere you go. It's not just at the quote-unquote schools that you think are dirty. There's always somebody that's trying to do a favor, that's trying to hustle, da-da-da, this and that. And so when it comes to Book Richardson... Like, I just think he was a byproduct of this system. And I'm not saying what he did makes him, a, a, you know, a perfect Catholic or salt-of-the-earth guy. But it doesn't make him different than a lot of other people in this profession. And so it really did bother me to see that he's going to do jail time. Because I, I still remember the guy that told me the, how fun it was to, to go with him and an assistant coach with 10 kids to Arizona. They could barely afford it, and they had to 
to run a, a, a bake sale the day, the week before to get money to go to this tournament. And like, it, it just, it just really hurt me to see that guy that I know got into this for the right reasons. One, that he got wrapped up into it for the wrong reasons. But again, when you're making $350,000 or $250,000, you know, you want to keep making that money. And the best way to keep making that money is to keep delivering players. And I just hate that there's, let's be honest, there's probably 50 Book Richardsons um, across college basketball right now and that he is the one that's going to jail. He is now a convicted felon. He will never be able uh, to retain the career that he had even though so many guys are doing the exact same thing. So I, I hope you guys, one, understand where I'm coming from. I'm not trying to make him some innocent uh, you know, pawn in anybody's game. But I'm just saying he's not all that much different than a lot of other guys, guy assistant coaches that you guys probably know that you've probably heard of. He's just the one that happened to get caught. He's going to jail. And I'll be honest, I do feel bad about it. I do feel bad about it. So that is all for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. We got into uh, we covered a lot of ground today. From Javon Quinterly, KJ Martin, Kerry Blackshear, Book Richardson. So I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to thank you guys for sticking through till the very end. I also want to remind you, you better be subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. iTunes, if you have an Android, you can do it on the Podcast Addict app. If you have an Android, that's where you want to listen to this show. Also, please make sure to rate and review the show. Five stars are welcome. Five stars are encouraged. Follow on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. Any questions you have, I'll answer questions next week. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Shout out to Torrey Craig, the Australian legend. I am out of here. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.